Happy solemnity. You made it. You made it to Mass. I really feel like in my heart, like, it's okay to feel happy that you made it to Mass today. Like, it really is. You've succeeded by the grace of God in doing something that the church, out of her own love for us, calls us to do for our own salvation and our own good. That's good. You can be proud of yourself. This solemnity, which, as you probably know, is the patronal feast of our archdiocese, is very close to the top of the pyramid for us. And if you're here, it means that you skipped Mass with the Archbishop a half an hour ago at the cathedral. So thanks. Appreciate it. I mean, it's great to be with him. It's great to be at the cathedral, but I'm glad we're here in our parish celebrating such an important thing. Now, singing about and praying about what could possibly be said on such a high holy day. Um, and this is what came to my heart. There's an aspect of God's power that I've talked about before, but maybe I haven't talked about it in this detail before. The Immaculate Conception is Jesus saving Mary. So, in the moment of her conception, she's saved from original sin. Probably the most common theological misconception about this day is that it refers to Jesus's conception. It doesn't. It refers to Mary's conception. And what we truly believe is that there isn't a human being that exists or has ever existed that could be saved without Jesus. He's the Savior. And so God, because He is limited by nothing, took the grace merited by His Son on the cross before He's even born and applies it to Mary at the moment of her conception. This is a really important theological thing for us because we tend to hem our Lord in so hard. We tend to, to box Him in so hard. And we tend to try to make Him linear like we're linear. You know, something happens and then another thing happens and then another thing happens. God does not experience time like that at all. Everything is happening all at once to Him. And so it's very, very easy for him to access time at any point in some divine grid like that. We're stuck, like in the moment that we're in. He's not stuck by anything. And this is the aspect of his divinity and his power that he used to save Mary from original sin. And the reality is, he can do the same thing to us on some level. Not in our original sin. He saves us from that through Jesus at baptism. But through the sins that happen after that, through the damage that happens after that. If you've ever been through a general confession here, you know that uh, sometimes a big part of that is going back in our memory, back in the timeline, to something that just went south, just went awry, just hurt. Some lie we believe. If you're at the conference this last week, some lie we believed, some wound inflicted, some untruth that we interiorized. And inviting Jesus into that, like whatever that time was, whatever that space was, 
whatever happened, whatever actually happened in that room, wherever that room was, literally inviting the God of the universe into that room, not our idea of that room, into that room, into the time that he has access to because he's not barred from having access to anything. And we invite him into that exact room and we ask him to be Lord there. And we just sit and we see what he says and we see what he does and we see who he interacts with and how. And always, 100% of the time, because we're inviting the actual Jesus into the actual space, he does something. And he begins to change it and to heal it. He alters something in the past that could never be altered by a being that wasn't divine. And we can feel it immediately in the future. This is a terrible example, maybe, but it comes from one of my top five movies, Back to the Future, right? He's playing the guitar. Hand starts to disappear. Why? Because something is happening in the past that affects him, affects his actual reality. And as the needle moves back toward what makes him whole, he becomes whole. Jesus goes back and he starts to make us whole. And in the present moment, we become whole. I asked our Blessed Mother what she wanted to apply that message to, and it was very, very clear. The wounds that are in our hearts, specifically inflicted by our mothers. Parents are great. Thank God for them. But we're all just fallen people. And every parent inflicts wounds that they don't mean to. Sometimes they do. She, in a special way, wants to point our attention to this very specific power that her son has to actually go back into those times and those spaces where we did not receive the motherly love that God wanted for us, that he intended for us, and to ask him to begin to actually change it. If he can take bread and wine and turn it into himself, he can access something in the past and make us whole.